We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. And this week we're going to look at the authority of Jesus. And um, so Mark, just to give you a bit of background, just to help you to engage with uh, what we're going to read in a moment... Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed book. Things happen very, very quickly, and we're going to take two terms to go through Mark, but we could take three years, because it's just there's so much in there. And you're going to see today that um, each little section that we're going to read could be a sermon all by itself. Um, I've got seven points, but don't worry, they're going to be short and sharp um, as we go through it. And um, Mark... This guy called John Mark, basically, he followed a guy called Peter around. And Peter, he went around preaching the good news of God. And when he was in Rome, the people of Rome said, hey, this is, this is great hearing all this, but we want a written account so that when you go, we know what you've been telling us. And so Mark is kind of like Peter's preach. If he would get up and talk, it's, that's why it's really fast-paced, because he's getting up and he's, and he's telling loads of stuff. And it's all eyewitness details, and there's, there's lots in there which is great, and, so, and you'll kind of see that come through as we go through the book. But really, it's all, about, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him coming and sharing his kingdom and enacting that in this world. And so last week, we heard about how Jesus, is his, he was the one, he said, I have come to share the good news of the gospel of God. And now this week, we're going to show how he brings the kingdom of God to this earth. So we'll read it. Um, and I've called the title of this morning's talk The Authority of Jesus So, oh yeah, sorry, just before we read it Hey, Tim, thanks for waving at me we, we have these books, right? And these books are just, it's like the Gospel of Mark And on one side you get the text And on the other side you get like a blank bit of paper So you can make notes So a bunch of people picked those up last week, but if you haven't got one, you can have one. Even if this is your first time and you're never going to come back, that's fine. We'd love to bless you with it. So if you'd like one of these, stick your hand up in the air now, and our welcome team will bring you one. They'll they'll probably bring you a pen as well. And use this. It will bless you. um, And uh, you can, yeah, as you go through Mark, whether in your own time or or with us on Sundays, uh, you can make notes and, yeah. And, and it will do you good. Uh, keep your hands up until it actually arrives to you in your seat. So the good news is that in the book is also obviously the words of Mark, but they'll also appear on the screen. Here we go. So we're going to go, we're in chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Capernaum is where Jesus lived. That's where his home was. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. That's what we're looking at, the authority of Jesus. Not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, Why do you, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are holy. You, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus said, Be quiet, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? 
He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region. Just, um, just before kind of Gavin and Lucy and Sean and Rachel freak out that they've invited all their family and friends to this service, it's not all going to be about demon possession and uh, it's, it's all good. But I will explain that later on, so don't, don't freak out just yet. <laughs> Verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law, just by the way, Simon, who is actually Peter, the one who's kind of the one preaching. He's known as Simon Peter. Jesus changed his name. Um, Simon was like the first pope. And just notice here that he's married and he's with his mother-in-law. Just just saying. Um, His mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. It's like the kingdom of God coming, healing. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, have I skipped on too far? Maybe. Very early in the morning, while it was dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they explained, exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, well, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning, saying, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to walk, talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. We're just going to go into chapter 2. A few days later... When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home, because that's where he lived, he'd gone to his home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now there were some teachers of the law who were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Of course they're right. Only God can forgive sins. And the immediate spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? Is it for me to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know 
that the Son of Man, that's him, Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Amen. It's great, great passage, isn't it? Action-packed, like, and this is Peter sharing. This is how, hey, Jesus has come. He has all authority in heaven and earth. He is the king of kings. He's come to bring the gospel of God. He's come to preach it. And he's not just preaching with words, though. He's preaching with actions. And so we see throughout all of this, action, 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 action. People being healed. People being cleansed. People um, being made well. People uh, being able to walk. This is the power of God. And this is the authority of Jesus at work. And so there's some key things I just want to pull out um, as I mentioned, seven key things, seven key things that show us Jesus' authority and, and then we'll come back to worship, we'll bring the kids back and we'll dedicate uh, the young people. So here we go. First one is this, Jesus has authority to teach. He spoke and it became scripture. You know, the, it doesn't tell us here, but elsewhere it tells us that Jesus, Jesus preached loads of things and he said things like, hey, you've heard it said in the Old Testament, like do not commit murder, but I say to you, don't even think hateful thoughts in your heart. He's, he's like adding to scripture. How can he do that? Because he's got authority. Because he is God. Uh, he, you have heard it said that you should not commit adultery. But I say, hey, don't even think lustfully about other women. In, like in your, in your mind or in your heart. He speaks and it becomes scripture. And a good question for us to ask ourselves is, who sets the kind of moral or ethical values in your life? Who sets the standard for those? Is it your parents? Is it your friends? Is it your college? Is it your uni? Is it the media? Is it an influencer? Who, who sets it? Is it celebrity culture? Who sets the moral standards? Here, Peter and John Mark is recording for us that, hey, Jesus has authority to teach. He is the one that should be setting our standards. He, that's why it's important for us to read, read the book, to read the Bible, to read what Jesus said and what he did. Because it should be Jesus that sets our standards. Jesus has authority to teach, and when he did, lives were changed. Scripture was written, and we can read it and be transformed. That's the first one, nice and simple. Second one, Jesus has authority over evil spirits. In verse 24 and 25, it says... Um, the, the, the kind of evil spirit in this person says, hey, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus commands him to be quiet and to come out. The Bible assumes the existence of evil in this world. The Bible assumes the existence of angels and demons, of demonic power and control. And... Um, it assumes that actually there is, there is darkness in this world. And so actually many verses tell us that Jesus has come to be light in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. And here he's demonstrating that, that his light, his goodness, his grace, his authority is able to overcome all things. And notice that they, the, they know exactly who he is. Often we don't know, but they know. They know, they acknowledge his authority, they obey him, they're obedient to him because he is over all things. And um, 
you know, it's, it's easy sometimes for us to go one of two ways. One way is to think, okay, this never exists, it's not anywhere, or to think there's some kind of demon thing behind every little issue that you have in your life. A car breaks down, it's like, oh, the demons have got me. Come on, let's... It's, it's not everywhere. It is around. And it's important for us to pray and to be a people that pray. And I wonder, is there an issue in your life that you want Jesus to set you free from? That this, this individual was at the synagogue. He, he might have gone there every single week, every single Sunday, week after week after week, and just sat there. And then Jesus comes and changes his life, sets him free from this issue. Like I said, not every issue is, is demonic, but sometimes we can, ha- we can go through all sorts of life-controlling habits, things that just we can't seem to break free from, that seem to chain us down, that seem to kind of get in the way. I want you to know this morning that Jesus has the power and authority to break the chains of darkness in your life. He can set you free from that thing that's been that you just can't break away from, that thing that's been controlling you, that thing, that habit that you just, you tried over and over and over to break, but it, you just can't. You know, Jesus is able to. And we can invite him into our lives and we say, hey, Lord, can, I want to submit this to you. I want your authority to take place in my life instead of anything else. So I wonder what area, is another question. I ask, you know, is there, is there an area of your life that you want Jesus to set you free from? Another question is, what area of, you, of your life are you struggling to submit to the Lordship of Jesus? What area of your life are you, are you struggling to hand over? It might be that you're not even a Christian here today. And you're, you're, you don't want to hand over any kind of control to a God that you don't know about yet. Because you, you're the king of your castle. You, you are the king on the throne. And I just believe, I wonder if God, Jesus, is saying to you today, no, I have all authority. I created you even before you were born. I know every hair on your head. Are you willing to submit to me? Are you willing to give your life up for me? He's good. He's so good. And uh, I could have, instead of just talking about the authority of Jesus throughout all this morning, I could talk about the compassion of Jesus throughout this morning, how he has compassion on Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and he comes and heals her so she can get about her day-to-day work, how he has compassion on the leper, how he has compassion on the demon-possessed man, how he has compassion on the paralysed man, and he cares for it. He's, he's not a tyrannical authority. He's a loving and gracious and wonderful authority. You can, you can invite him into your life, and he will do you good. He's a good father, and he's loving, and he's faithful. That's number two. Number three, Jesus' authority over sickness. In verse 30 and 32... It says that Simon's mother-in-law, yeah, she was in bed with a fever, and uh, they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and he, he helped her up, and the fever left her straight away. And it also says that that evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. And just a note on that, before I just carry on with the sickness stuff, is that in that day, you had Pharisees who were... The kind of religious leaders is like, you know, the, the people that lead, led the synagogues. And they made up loads of rules that um, meant that you could only do certain things on a Sabbath. A Sabbath was like their Saturday, their like kind of worship day, their holy day. 
And one of those rules was he couldn't travel certain distances. And so here, this man-made rule stopped people during the day traveling to see Jesus. And that's why they all come in the evening. And do you know what? It's so easy for man-made rules to stop people coming to Jesus. And that's important for us as a church to be aware of. So, you know, it's so easy for us to, oh, you've got to sign up on church suite, and if you don't do it, then you can't come. No, no. In fact, I've spoken to several people today who they haven't signed up for their away day. But I'm like, no, of course you can come. Because it's, we're not blocking, we're not putting man-made rules in the way from you coming and entering into the family and, and enjoying the away day and enjoying everyone else's presence. But it's easy for that to happen. So easy. It's so easy to, uh, to have that. And I know that all the, you know, Leah's freaking out because we've got like 200 people coming or something. <laughs> it's all right. It's going to be all right. Be like the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, we've already increased the, it was half a pig that was going to be hog roasted. It's now a whole pig. So, hey, so, praise the Lord. Um, it's going <laughs> to be It's going to be all right. Apology if you're a vegetarian or a vegan or something. We won't go, in, we won't go, we won't go there. So um, Jesus had authority over sickness. And, uh, and once the religious people, you know, their rule had been obeyed, in the evening they come to him. And they, they come and, and they, they flog him. And do you know what? He, actually, this isn't this part, but he heals the mother-in-law. This is this, is this part. He heals later. There's so many healings. He's just, he loves healing people. He heals the mother-in-law, and that's what, and that what happened. People start banging on the door. They start flocking. They're coming. And I think what's um, also a good question to ask in this then is, what do you need healing from? You know, I believe that actually Jesus can, and God, they can heal in different ways. They can heal for your bodies. Your body are able to regenerate itself. You, you're shedding cells every day. Your, your body is able to do that. It's amazing. It's miraculous. He can also heal through doctors and medicines. And please, please, if you are sick or if you need help, please go and see a doctor. Don't do the kind of thing where you, you, you oh, no, I believe that God can heal me, so therefore I'm not going to see a doctor. No, no, God can heal you through doctors. Through, think about the vaccines, through scientists, through doctors, through medicines. They, like, God has given them to us as a blessing. Don't forsake them. They can be a blessing. God can heal in that way. Obviously, God can heal supernaturally, and he does that. We see that in this passage. We've, we've seen it in our church. God just healing people supernaturally, and we can pray for that. And then ultimately, God heals through your death and through your resurrection. When you rise again with him and there's no more pain and no more suffering and no more sickness and no more death, disease or decay, you get ultimate healing and your body is made new as it was meant to be. Sickness and death and disease, they're not what we were made for. It's why we mourn when they impact our bodies. And I just wonder, hey, what do you need healing for? What do you need healing from? Maybe that's something we can pray for today. All these different things, you know, we can, we can pray into those things today and let's see what God can do. He is the one with authority, not, not me or anyone else. It's him who's able to heal. And just connected to all of this, I just also want to mention that Jesus has authority in our homes. So notice that this is Simon Peter's home. His mother is in laws there. Jesus walks in and takes over the show. And suddenly, he's, he's telling people what to do. He's healing, and there's people banging on the door. They're all coming in, and he's taken over. And Jesus has authority in the home. In the home. He enters... And he has no problem with dealing what he finds there. No problem with dealing with what he finds there. And so, oh, here's a good question. Another question for this is number four. Did I click on? I didn't click on. Who has the final say 
and authority in your home and in your family? How do you make those big decisions that we all have to make in life? Is God in the mix? Is, is you know, do, do you consult Jesus? Do you pray? Do you read, what does the Bible have to say about the decisions that you might have to make? When it comes to your marriage, is God in there? When it comes to your singleness, is God in there? When it comes to your dating, is God in those decisions? When it comes to your work, or your serving, or your giving, or your uni, or your college, or your children, and how you raise them, is God in the mix? Jesus has authority in the home, and we we need to invite him in. Number five, verse 35 to 39, uh, talk about how Jesus has authority over our church and ministry life. Let me just unpack that a bit further. It says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, so just notice that people came to Simon Peter's house after dark, so it's like a late, so Jesus had a late night, and then before it's morning, he, he's off again. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions, they went to look for him and they found him, and they're like, hey, everyone's looking for you, because what's happened is that news has spread and they've, they've carried on flocking to, to Simon Peter's house. And they, they want to see him. And, and so, but Jesus has gone off to pray. And the disciples, they've come up to Jesus. And they're like, hey, what on earth are you doing? We've got a, you know, we've got a meeting going on back there. And we need you. You're the star of the show. What, what are you doing out here? And he's, he's praying. And they're, they're trying to, hey, you need to come back. Because, you know, we had so much success yesterday. We need to go back there and continue that success now. And Jesus replied, no, let's go somewhere else. We're going to go to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so he travelled throughout Galilee preaching in the synagogues. I find it really interesting that Jesus, the two things that we see Jesus really pull out here is that he prayed and he preached, and they're key values for him. Sometimes it's easy to despise preaching and be like, looking at the time, oh, come on. No, actually, Jesus came to preach. He came to do that. And it's good for us to try to unpack what he came to do and what he said. So that's important. And, but second of all, Jesus has authority over his church and, and over our ministries. The disciples, they saw success the day before, and they want Jesus. Hey, Jesus, we saw success. Come back to this place. So we want to see some more. We want you to carry on doing this. And Jesus, no, no, it's a new thing. It's a new day. I've got new things to do. I, need to, I can't just stay in this village. We need to go to the next village. You know, and, and to the next village, and the next village, and the next town. It's great all that's happening here, but there's more to be done. It's the great uh, commission, isn't it? To go into all the world, to go into all the nations. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to spread out, not just to keep all the place in, in one area, all the stuff that's going on in one area. And so I, I, I wonder, you know, I pray, hey, Jesus, where's our next village? Over the last few months, we've sent a couple over to the Middle East to plant a church there. It's great. It's good. But where's the next one? And the next one, and where's, where's God calling us to? Where's he calling you to? What, where, what places and people has he put on your heart that we need to get behind and, and encourage and, you know, train up and release to go into the next villages and towns and places? I believe Jesus is saying, hey, I'm doing something new. There's a, there's a new thing. We can't, it's so easy sometimes to look back to the past and think, oh, wasn't it so good in those days when this happened and, there's all this going on. And hey, come on, don't despise what God's doing today. 
God's at work today. He's at, work, at power, at work in people's lives, transforming people's lives. And sometimes it, we, we all do it, all of us. It's, if you're a Christian here today, I know it's easy for you to do. You look back and think, oh, I remember those, the good old days when this happened. And no, no, come on, that was yesterday. What's God doing today? Let's press forward. What is Jesus putting on your heart? What places, what people? Number six, pace is okay for you. We're doing all right. Yeah? I'm just getting some nods. Um, Jesus has authority over... Oh, my page will click back. Over our witness. And so in verse 40, verse 40 to 45, this is the end of chapter 1, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus, he reached out his hand, he healed him, he says, I'm willing, be clean. And obviously that's incredible, amazing compassion, grace. To have leprosy in that day was, I mean, 200 years ago, someone wrote about leprosy and wrote about, you know, the calluses on your fingers, the the cartilage in your nose would go, so your face would start to look deformed. Obviously, you can't feel hurt and pain, so you touch hot stuff, and you can't feel it, and so it's really easy to burn yourself. In, in, and that's 200 years ago. 2,000 years ago, you're a complete outcast. You, are, you live in like caves and colonies together with other people with leprosy. And we get to this person who isn't even with other lepers. I mean, I wonder how bad has his leprosy got to be that he's by himself? And yet he comes to Jesus and says, hey, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And, and Jesus says, hey, I'm winning. He's so compassionate and so gracious, so wonderful that he, he reaches out and, you know, probably for the first time in this man's life, he's received a hug and a touch. So gracious and considerate and compassionate. And, and then we get this strange bit where Jesus sends him away and says, hey, don't tell anyone about what's happened. And we kind of think, oh, do you really mean that? Are you secretly happy that he actually went on and told lots of people? And actually, the answer is no, because in, it, it says right towards the end, Jesus could no longer, the very thing that he wanted to do earlier, he could no longer go from town to town openly. So he had to, he had to stay in the outside, like, lonely place. And it says that people still came from him. So Jesus gave him some instructions about his witness. He ignored it. The witness is about telling people about Jesus. He ignored it, and then it, it prevented Jesus being able to do the very thing that he wanted to do. Sometimes our witness can prevent Jesus doing the very thing he wants to do. In here, what was specific? Well, he want, the witness that Jesus wanted him to do was to go to the temple to offer sacrifices um, to the priest there. And had he done that, that very action would have been the most amazing testimony, because right back hundreds of years before that, in Leviticus, which is one of the first books in the Bible, there are instructions to the Levitical priests on how to um, perform the sacrifices for people who have leprosy and then have now been cleaned. And someone with leprosy had not been healed for years and years and years, probably 400 years before Elijah, when Elijah and Elisha were walking around and through the power of God healing people. So after 400 years of someone with leprosy not being cleansed, if that person had gone to the temple and said, hey, I've been healed, can you perform the sacrificial uh, duties for my healing, that would have been an incredible witness to the religious elite of the day. And this guy ignored him and said, you know what, 
I'll, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go and do this. I just, Jesus has authority over our witnessing. And sometimes actions speak louder than words. But that doesn't mean we never use words. You know, this isn't like a get out of jail free card. Oh, yes, I never have to tell anyone about Jesus. No, no, it's good to talk about Jesus. It's good to tell people. But it's important to be appropriate. What he did was inappropriate. He should have followed Jesus' instructions. And in fact, throughout this whole passage that we've been reading, Jesus did both, didn't he? He spoke and he did actions. He had actions and word, actions and word, actions and word. It's so important for all of those who would call themselves Christians, that your life is full of actions and words. So, Because one without the other won't help. You could be so loving and so gracious to people, and they just think you're a really nice guy or a really nice girl. Wonderful. But they never hear the gospel, the good news. Or you can tell people all the time about Jesus, but what happens is when they're sick, you ignore them. You don't share food with them. You don't care for them. You know, when they're at work and they're stressed, you're not helping them, you're not supporting them, and you're looking down on them and judging them. And they might hear your words, but they look at your actions and think, that doesn't really match up. That's, That's not helpful either. We need both, don't we? We need actions and words. And that's what Jesus demonstrates for us here. And he encourages us, I believe, through this passage to do as well. Yeah, so my question is, how are you doing? How are you finding um, witnessing? How are you finding, you know, following Jesus? We talked about this last week. Following Jesus and then helping others to get to know him too. You know, actions do speak loud. So caring for people, bringing someone up, supporting them. Our hope works, all those different charities that we help and support. So important of sharing the love of God with people because often, you, before people want to hear what you have to say, they want to see how your life matches up with that. And as you help people, then you get a chance over, over, you know, over time. It, it's, it's a much longer journey, isn't it? It's much easier to stand on the street and tell people, hey, Jesus is real, rah, rah, but no one's listening to you. You haven't earned the right to talk to them about anything. It's much better to, hey, let's support you. Let's get alongside you. Let's work with the homeless. Let's work with those who are ill and, uh, or whatever and get, along, get into the hospitals, all those kind of things. And as we do that, God gives us opportunities to speak and to encourage and to witness. Last one, and this is probably the most important. Jesus has authority to forgive sin. Chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, or the, I won't read it all, but specifically verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw the faith of the paralyzed man, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And obviously the teachers around there are thinking, What on earth? What's going on? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus doesn't dispute that. He's like, Yeah. Only God can forgive sins, but I'm going to show you. He calls himself the son of man in here. It's a reference back to Daniel. I'm going to show you that I have authority in this area because I'm also going to heal him and help him to get up and and walk. Above everything else, what people need is to be forgiven of their sin. That paralyzed man, he might well have come in, lowered down into... This is Jesus' home, by the way, but he's a carpenter, so he can fix the roof, I'm sure. And... um, He's lowered down, and if, if that was me, and I've been paralysed my whole life, and I'm lowered down, and I'm played in front of Jesus, the one who I've heard all about, hey, he heals people, demons come out of people, oh, this is amazing, and he says to me, I forgive your sins, I'd be like, dude, my legs, my back, my arm, like, it's great that you've forgiven me, but help me walk. But... Jesus doesn't 
just know what you want. He knows what you need. And what we all need is forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness from God. Because we've all fallen short. We've all separated ourselves from God through the bad things that we have done, through uh, the way that we think and the way that we act. It's all fallen short from God. But Jesus sent his, or God sent his son, Jesus, into the world not to condemn the world. That's what John 3.16 verse 17 says. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's why Jesus came to this earth. And Jesus has authority to forgive sins. And, um, and I wonder, have you received his forgiveness? Have you received the forgiveness of God? Do you know it? Perhaps you are a Christian and then you've messed up or you do things wrong because we all do. And you think, well, that thing is too big for God to continue to forgive. Maybe you've had this life-controlling habit and you think, well, how can God continually forgive me for that thing? Surely he doesn't really love me. Surely that's, that's too much. Surely that sin is, is part of me now. I under, before I was a Christian, yeah, I get that. But now that I am, I should be able to live better. And, and I believe, no, no, no. He's, he has authority to forgive. And right in the first few verses, Jesus says, hey, to repent and believe. Repent and believe. That's what you need to do. There's not all this stuff in the middle. Rahana, when she was preaching a few weeks ago in the Psalms, there's not loads of groveling and loads of like trying to outdo or unwork all your wrong. No, you just come before him and you repent and we believe and he is able to forgive your sins. They thought that sickness, they thought leprosy, they thought paralysis was a judgment from God on their behaviour. And so many people would have looked at all these different characters that we've seen today and thought, no, no, they deserve that because God is judging them because they've done something wrong. And then the God-man, Jesus, comes into the world and says, no, your sins are forgiven. You are loved. You are blessed. You are cherished. Jesus comes and heals the mother-in-law, heals the leper, heals the paralysed man, forgives their sins, brings them into relationship with the Father, doesn't come to condemn but he becomes to bring life and life to the full to restore us back into relationship with the heavenly father and it's why we sing of his goodness all those songs we've been singing this morning of the goodness of God it's why we sing that he is blessed be his name even when he gives even when he takes away whether he heals whether he doesn't heal actually we're going to bless his name because he has done the, the ultimate thing that we all need which is receiving forgiveness from our father and coming into a relationship with him it's why, it's why we worship, because he is so good and so faithful and so worthy to be praised. I'm going to pray, and uh, I'd love you to pray along with me. And um, I'm not going to pray into all of those seven things, but um, if there was any one of those where you feel like you just need to submit to the authority of Jesus in that area, or you'd like to receive, you know... His Holy Spirit's power in your life in a particular area, then I just want to encourage you just to kind of pray along in your heart with me as we do that. Why don't we all stand? Let's, let's stand together. Let's, we'll do that. Uh, worship team, you can start to come up. Father God, we just want to thank you so much for for this account that John Mark has written down for us, so that today we can read through and explore the authority of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you didn't just 
come to this world to say a bunch of good stuff, to maybe teach good things, and then to leave us deserted as you look on us and judge us for the way in which we try to make things work. No, actually, instead, you came right into this world that you, you forgave and you healed and you cleansed and you set free. And I pray this morning that, Lord, we know that you are alive today just as you were back then. And I pray this morning that for all of us in this room who need to receive forgiveness or need to receive healing or need to be set free from something or need to know your Spirit's power at work in our lives, I pray, Lord God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, would you sweep through this room and would you um, help people to know your presence in their lives. And, and so we just ask you, Lord God, where there is, where, where there is a chains that need to be broken, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you break in and set free all of those that are struggling in an area who are just feeling like they're controlled by this thing that they just can't shirk. I pray, Holy Spirit, Jesus, by your power and authority, would you come in and break those chains. I pray, Lord God, where there is sickness, where there is ill health, where... Um, there is yeah, something going wrong in people's bodies. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and we'd restore. Lord, we trust that you're able to do that through our bodies and the doctors and the nurses. And so we will submit to them, we'll go to them, but we also come before you in the name of Jesus and ask you, Lord Jesus, would you come by the power of your Spirit, just like you did here in these verses? Would you come and in your power and would you heal and restore all to its newness that, that you made us for in the first place? Lord, I pray for all of us that don't know you yet. I pray, Lord God, for all of us who seat ourselves on the, own, on the thrones of our own lives. Actually, I pray, would you humble us? Would you help us to know that you are the true King of kings and Lord of lords? Help us, Lord God, to submit to your authority. To know, actually, it's a good authority. It's a good leadership. You're a good one for us to follow. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that ultimately you proved your love for us not just by coming to this earth and speaking and healing, but ultimately by dying in our place. That place that we all deserved, that separation from God, that darkness, that cut off, that separation, that death. And thank you that now in you, as we put our trust in you, Lord God, that we can know your resurrection power in our lives. We can live a new day. We can know your forgiveness and your love and your blessing on us. And so I just pray, Heavenly Father, would you continue to reveal yourself to us as we, as we sing, as we worship you, as we just declare our love for you. In your heavenly name, amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.